Thank you, Lord. God bless you. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. Last week, we talked about the body of Christ. Everybody say the body of Christ. And uh, let's just go a little review there, uh, Sister Cheyenne. Uh, and we got this from Romans chapter 12. Of course, we start in verse 1. But let's just focus for a minute on these few verses. Uh, Romans 12, verse 3, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Uh, that's a very familiar. But m- moving from verse 3 on. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think more highly. Think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members, everybody say many members, just like we have many members in our one body, we got toes and fingers and ears and eyes and and then, uh, you know, uh, uh, vital organs, just as our one body has many members and all members don't have the same function or the same office, so we being many are one body, everybody say one body, everybody say one body, and that was the fo- one of the focus points last week as we go forward that God had an idea and, and a plan, it was one body, everybody say one body, now we know that Jesus is the head, but just having a head isn't a body, you got to have the rest of the body, and so the head is Christ, and we make up that one body, and so the plan of God was one man, uh, Jesus Christ being the Savior and giving himself to save the church, which he would call his bride, and we are that body, if I say one body, that's very, very important, let's go forward, uh, Romans 12 verse 4, for as ye, we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we've been, we just read that. And I'm not sure why I put that in there twice, but forgive me. These were the three things we noticed last week, and this is where we ended. By relationship with the head, which is, who's the head? Uh, Very specifically, yes, God ultimately, but who's the head of the church? It's Christ. Everybody say Christ. You know, it's like the little kid in Sunday school. If you say God or Jesus, you're 90% chance going to get it right. It's good to see Heather here tonight. Man, I'm glad I turned around here. Somebody said, uh, Cheryl said, Heather's going to be there tonight. She said she was there Sunday. I said, I didn't even see her Sunday. Were you here Sunday? For the, oh, okay. Well, no, I skipped the first service. I slept through that. No, I was teaching another class, so that's why I missed you. Good to have you, Heather. We're thankful that you're here. Good to see you upright. Amen. Amen. Three basic principles. My relationship to the head, which is Christ, is what? It's right up there. Obedience. I need to obey the Lord. Somebody say amen. Amen. We can say we love him. Oh, do you love Jesus? Well, I think if we did a survey in Salem, there'd be a lot of houses you knock on the door and just ask. I got one question for you. Do you love Jesus? Oh, I love Jesus. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Somebody say amen. Very, very important that we understand that we keep his commandments. And so uh, that's what my relationship with Jesus Christ is, obedience, not sacrifice, not giving, not, not uh, well, I've given the most money to this church or I come to every service. Well, that's fine, Danny, you ought to do that. But my, my real focus is obeying Jesus, not appeasing my own conscience. So, 
but my relationship between the body, which is the church, and myself is fellowship. It's very important that we uh, maintain fellowship. Somebody say amen. And to maintain uh, a good relations with God's people. And then the last one, my position as a member in that body, a finger or an ear or an eye or a foot or a toe or an appendix or a gallbladder or a pancreas. I mean, maybe I'm here just to regulate the sugar of the body. I'm not, I'm not sure who the heart is and all that stuff. But I do know that my, my relationship to the body is one of service. I can't think that because I'm the pancreas that everybody else needs to be a pancreas. I can't think because I see things very plainly that everybody ought to see things like I see them. I can't think because I like to listen to the sermon that everybody in this room right now will be listening to the sermon. Caught you, didn't I? Because there's some, they just now started listening. Yeah. Uh, I can't think that because I like to do things and go places that everybody else uh, likes to travel and, and maybe be the feet of the body, although the feet take the entire body, it's very important that we understand that our role in the body is service. In other words, when you study your relationship to the body, we often think that we come to church to receive things. This is what this is a this is an indictment to us because it almost is proof that we have no private relationship with God. Because a lot of times if we're praying, reading our Bible, we're getting something all the time from the Lord. People that think I've come to church to receive something don't understand when Paul said when you come together and he begins to list what you ought to bring when you come together. Not one of those things is coming to you. It's all going to others. We are here to serve the body tonight. I'm here to bring something to this service. I'm here to add something to our gathering. Somebody say amen. amen. Well, let's give the Lord a good hand clap if you believe that. <coughs> so tonight, we're going to focus on diversity. Aren't you glad everybody's not alike? Wow. My daughters were born 19 seconds apart. Uh, they were twins. Uh, but they are so opposite. Of course, you know that. You've been around them. Some of you taught them in Sunday school. Some of you have taught them in school. Uh, they decided they would uh, fool some of the teachers at school, and, and they did. Uh, they sat at each uh, the opposite child's desk. Uh, the teachers were not aware. Uh, and, but the teachers started catching on because one of the children of mine is very particular and, and likes to do it in a certain way. The other one likes to do it quicker and maybe a little sloppier just to get it done. Uh, and so they were trying very hard to imitate the other. So the sloppy one was trying to be meticulous and the meticulous one was trying to be sloppy. And by lunchtime, they were so tired of being the other person. 
the, the meticulous one said, I'm tired of being sloppy. I can't stand that. And the sloppy one was saying, well, I'm sick of being meticulous. Let's go back to being who we are. It's terrible being somebody else, trying to be somebody else. In this body, there is diversity. Thank God that we're not all the same. So we're going to focus on this tonight. And we're going to begin, uh, launch out here in a portion of scripture that I really believe, uh, if we're not careful, we'll not, uh, in our personal study time, we'll pull this chapter right out of the Bible. You ever met people who uh, love God, but they only like certain sections of the Bible? They explain a lot of things away. Well, that's not for us today, or that doesn't happen anymore. And well, let's take that part out. And well, that's not that doesn't mean what it says. Uh, that wearies me real fast. In uh, Romans fourteen is one of those that I believe we we need to come to grips with. And Romans 14 is dealing with diversity and he begins to talk about a weak person and a strong person. And in Romans 14 verse 1, him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but don't receive him to doubtful disputations. In other words, don't start griping about all kind of stuff. Hello? Verse 2, for one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak, if I say weak, eateth herbs or vegetables. Uh, One feels like he can eat anything. Paul calls him the strong brother. The weak brother is the one that has some convictions. I don't know if you've noticed that we've kind of got that flipped. That the strong people are the ones that are real conservative. We're a strong. Well, Paul actually says those that don't have liberty, he calls them weak. I think that's the first thing to notice. He says the strong guy is not condemned in what he eats. Everybody okay? All right. Uh, So the weak guy feels like you better just eat vegetables and we'll get into why he feels that way. Verse 3, let not him that eateth who says, hey, pass pass the steak, pass the bacon, pass the ham. Let him that eats freely, I hear a good amen from Brother Jim back there. Let him that eats freely not despise him that doesn't eat. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. Now I want to say this. We are very careful that we don't offend other people. Well, they have a conviction about this or that. And they they feel like they should stay away from this or that. And so uh, the strong person says, well, I don't want to offend anybody. But if we're not careful, the weak person who has all these conscientious objections and feels like there's something wrong with this and something wrong with that, if we're not careful, they will try to um, move all of those feelings onto the entire body. So this is a two-way street. The guy who says, I have no problem eating bacon, 
doesn't need to offend the one who's offended with bacon, but the guy who's offended with bacon doesn't need to put all his convictions on everybody else. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? All righty. Boy, now if you've got what I'm saying, we could be dismissed now. So I guess I should... Sister Erica, I should say what I'm going to say and then pass out a quiz. And everyone that passes the quiz can leave. Those that don't need some extra credit. You get the bacon. No. Uh, Verse 4. Who art thou that judgest Another man's servant. To his own master he stands or falls. Yea, he shall be holding up for God is able to make him stand. One man not only eats certain things, but one man esteems one day above all the rest. This day is special. Another person says every day is special. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Everybody all right? Let every man be fully persuaded where? In his own mind. Paul doesn't say, okay, now let me tell you how every day special or let me tell you how one day special. He's saying, I'm not going to try to change your mind, but you need to be convinced in your own mind. What you need to understand is we can't let all these little bitty things mess up the unity of the body. Somebody say amen. Verse 6, he that regardeth the day regards it unto the Lord. He that regardeth not the day to the Lord he does not regard it. He that eats, eats to the Lord. For he gives God thanks and he that eateth not To the Lord he eateth not, and he gives God thanks. Verse 7, for none of us liveth to himself. Now this is the whole focus. We are going to affect somebody. And no man dieth to himself. Now let's go to chapter 15, verse 1 through 3, and we'll jump in here real quick. Romans 15, verse 1. When then, we then that are strong... Strong. Remember who the strong one was who said, hey, every day's, every day's good. Every day's Sunday. Every day's Sunday. And you know what? Pass the stake. The strong guy ought to bear the sickness, <laughs> infirmities of the weak. Ought to recognize... I. There's some things I will not do because it may uh, make the church infirmed. I'm not about, plea- well, I'm just, just going to do what I feel like doing. And that's just what the Bible says you should not please yourself. Let every one of us please his neighbor. Wow. Wow. Oh, man. Uh, we should have a quiz right here, too. You know, this world is so self-centered. 
we have gotten so self-centered that if somebody doesn't answer our text in 15 seconds, dear Lord, I'm, I'm kind of wanting to go back to when you had to crank the phone. Party line. Boy, some of you may want to go back to the party line. You know, it's like I've had people text and I'm right in the middle of a meeting or, no, no, wait, I'm just sitting there waiting anxiously for my phone to buzz. I'm in a meeting or on the phone. I've been on the phone with my mother. Somebody texts, I just keep talking to my mother. And they text three or four more times, and they're wondering if I'm offended. No, I just happen to be on the phone. I just want to let you guys know something. I wasn't raised with a piece of equipment glued to my hand. I didn't come in that way. I'm not leaving that way. I came in naked. I'm sure not going to leave with a phone glued to my ear. In fact, tonight when I went in to eat supper with my wife, I left my phone in the truck. Because if I can't eat supper for 45 minutes, then something's wrong with us. We're pretty self-centered. Believe it or not, it's a disease of the last days. Men will be lovers of themselves and the Bible says in the family we ought to not do anything for ourselves how is this going to affect the body how would this decision affect other people is anybody hearing what I'm saying well they'll just have to get over it oh no you're, in, you're diametrically in violation of the word of God if you live to please yourself. For even Christ pleased not himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. Listen to that. He is our example. Somebody say Amen. So there's three things each one of these brothers need, brothers and sisters, the weak brother and the strong brother, and this is what we're going to look at tonight, the three things the weak brother needs, to, needs, needs and the three things a stronger brother needs to bring about diversity. Now, there, there's great diversity in the human family. Uh, when cultures around the world are contrasted, they reveal great variety, in fact, North America, in addition to all its domestic customs, has become a melting pot of diverse culture and ethnic blends. It has. Amen. God gave each one of us different personalities. In fact, Hippocrates grouped temperaments into four groups. Sanguines, cholerics, melancholies, and phlegmatics, they're friends with everybody. Leggy feel. 
There's sanguines in the room. They light up the place when they walk in. They never meet a stranger. There's cholerics. They want to get the job done and get it done. Get it done now, even if you run over 50 people getting it done. Melancholy, they're more kind of the artistics. Uh, oh, well, I'm not going to do a temperament study tonight. The groupings can help us understand diversity. There's color tests, there's blue, there's gold, there's orange, there's green. Psychologists have analyzed behavior and developed a number of personality categories. There's extroverts, there's introverts, there's ambiverts. Not sure what other verts they'll come up with, but I'm sure we'll all be verts of some sort. There are those who are right brain tendency. There are those who are left brain tendencies. Teachers have discovered that there's imaginative learners, analytical learners, common sense learners. I like that group. (laughs) Dynamic learners. In fact, if you notice nowadays in school, the new new way to teach kids is kind of let them do what they want. If Johnny's sitting at his desk doing his addition, if he wants to get up and go draw a dinosaur on the chalkboard, you let, man, I wish I'd have been in that class. I feel like eating the apple on the teacher's desk. That's what I feel like doing. I feel like going home for the rest of the day. I feel like the principal ought to let me borrow his truck. (laughs) And the list goes on and on. There are IQ tests that measure mental acuity. Yet there are so many areas of intelligence, language, mathematics, social uh, intelligence, athletic intelligence, music, others. It's difficult to measure those things. It's amazing that two people can look at the same thing and see something completely different. We all have likes and dislikes, our pet peeves and our pet pets. Affinities differ from those uh, that that may be even in the same family. We have our preferences using colors. Any favorite color blue here tonight? Two or three, blue. Any favorite color red here tonight? Man, what about purple? What about green? All right, what about white? Here we go, all right. All right, whose favorite color is Ford? Ford? Whose favorite color is Chevy? Any favorite color, Dodge? All right. Whose favorite deodorant is Sure? Degree? Crest, <laughs> Topol. See, we all have our preferences. If we didn't have preferences, there'd be one toothpaste, one deodorant, one mouthwash, one perfume. The magnificent diversity within the human family is God's design. Thank God roses aren't all the same color. Thank God that corn isn't the only vegetable. 
Aren't you thankful for the diversity that God put in his creation? But naturally, we think our way of doing things is superior because we may have tried it other ways and it just doesn't work for us because we may be right-brained introverted not realizing that somebody else likes to do it another way. Neither way's wrong as long as the job gets done. So toleration permits us to accept others who may have different views. So let's talk about the weaker brother. The weaker brother. There are three things he needs to do. We'll get to those in just a minute. But the Christian life is a challenge of progressive development. Let me put it to you this way. It's not okay for us to keep changing your diaper for 20 years. There are people that I literally, well, I'm not sure if it was the right way for literally to be used here, but my daughters aren't here anyway, so... I've had to tell people, look, there's no need for us to meet about this anymore because I don't know if I have anything more to say about it. Uh, If you're not going to progress, there's no need for us to chew on it. Listen, folks, growing up spiritually is just as important as growing up physically. Can't crawl around and goo-goo-ga-ga all the time. There are people that think their entire Christian existence consists of doing what I want for a few months, then coming to the altar and crying a bunch and repenting, and then go doing what I want for a while, then coming and repenting. Paul said, when are you going to move from the basics? Am I okay? All right. So it's development. Everybody say development. Growth and maturity are vital in your relationship with God. The writer of Hebrews exhorted the church for their lack of maturity. In the Hebrews, the next one, chapter 5, verse 12. For when the time, you ought to be teachers. You know what? There's a bunch of you folks sitting in this room that served God long enough. You ought to be teaching somebody. Why are you not? Because you think, well, I don't know certain things. Well, maybe it's because you haven't progressed. Somebody say amen. The time has come that you ought to be... You ought to be teachers. Bless you. You have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. Can I be honest with you right now? Uh, Just to give you a little look into your pastor's soul, every once in a while I feel like shaking some folks right over the flames of hell. And saying, if you don't straighten up, you are going to hell. It's going to be hot in hell. You're not going to ever get out of hell. 
Hell was not designed for you, but if you continue in your disobedience, you are going to be lost. And lost people go to hell. You know what happens when you preach that for about 30 minutes? People start feeling hell. They want to get to the altar. But Paul said at some point, we shouldn't have to shake you over hell. I wish you'd clap your hands right now. At some point, you need to fall in love with Jesus and mature. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord right now. Yeah. We have to keep going over the first stuff. Look. We have to keep going over the first stuff. We have to go back. What's the first stuff? Repent. We have to keep getting you back to the altar to get your life cleaned up. At what point are you going to say, I want to keep my life cleaned up? Everybody okay? Yeah. We keep having to go back to the first stuff for you. And here's what he says. You are become such as have need of milk. In fact, you're not too impressed with Wednesday night service because you just want bottles all the time. Pastor's preaching about love, everybody. I need to hear about hell. I need you to scare me real good, preacher. Scare yourself. You just want milk all the time and not strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. He is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full age. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Look at that. Folks that eat meat, they know what's right and they know what's wrong. They don't come and say, Pastor, I'm not sure about this. Is this going to send me to hell or not? You ought to know. You got the same Bible I got. You probably got as many in your house as I have in mine. As a result, the growing process, members of the body are at different levels of maturity. In this room right now, there are bottle suckers. And there's folks that saying, Pastor, I wish you'd quit throwing out bottles every sermon. I need some meat. I've actually had people say, I don't think I'm going to go to church here anymore because I'm not getting fed. Well, I'm, I don't mean here. They've said, I'm not going to go to church here. They may not have been going to church here. You understand what I'm saying? They make that statement about where they're going to church. Somebody's not getting fed here, I understand. Somebody said, are you a sheep stealer? I said, oh no, we don't steal sheep. We just grow grass. (laughs) We're going to grow some good grass. (laughs) Anybody hear what I'm saying? I don't want to get up in the pulpit and always bottle feed the saints. 
I want to come here with a steak dinner every once in a while and say, hey, folks, look how good God is to us. Look how mighty he is. Somewhere, the pastor has to say, wait a minute, today I'm not going to tell all those, whatever they are, that they need to repent or they're going to go to hell. I'm going to put the bottle up because they already know that and I'm going to feed the sheep. Brother Gene's not concerned because he hadn't preached against doing drugs. You ought to know better than to do drugs. Brother Gene must not think alcohol's that big of a deal. He don't say much about it. You ought to know that drunkards are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Do I have to get a bottle out every service and say, come on now, take your bottle. It's okay, this carpet's been wet before. (laughs) Paul said, hey, weak folks, weak folks, weak folks. They're always needing to be bottle fed. You know, at some point in my youth ministry, I decided I was not, I was not, going to make a hero out of the backslider, the one who couldn't get to church most of services, the one that was cold and wouldn't worship. I was going to make the hero, the kid, I don't care how nerdy he was, how backward he was, but he loved Jesus. That's the hero right there. And while we're parading all of them up here to tell us how God brought them out of the gangs and the motorcycle clubs and I was a murderer in prison but now I'm serving Jesus. What about the one that was faithful that went to Sunday school every service? That loved their parents and honored their pastor and loved their God. Now there's the hero. Oh, clap your hands under the Lord. Well, I, sh- I should be. <laughs> Said I wasn't going to throw out any bottles, so I need to move on. All right, let's talk about this week, brother. What he, what he needs to do. What he needs. He needs acceptance. Everybody say acceptance. Yeah. Weak brothers need acceptance. At the time of Paul's ministry, some in the church abstained from eating meat, and there was a reason for that. Many Gentiles were converted from idol-worshiping religions where animal sacrifices were common. So of the meat used in the, some of the meat used in these sacrifices, they'd take portions of it and they'd send the rest to the marketplace and they'd sell it to consumers. And so these people used to worship these idol gods. They didn't want anything to do with it. So they avoided any contamination from their old heathen temples. And if part of this lamb or, or heifer or beef was offered in that heathen temple, I don't want to touch any of it. But the Jews, the Jews knew an idol was nothing. Okay, here's our idol. This is the God we're going to worship. 
People that know Jesus know that's a mic stand. That's not a God. So if the meat you offered to that mic stand is going to be on sale, I'll buy it. Because that's not a God. That's a mic stand. You understand what I'm saying? All these people that said, well, wait a minute. We used to worship that as a God. They should not be convinced. They should hold to that conviction. Because it would be offensive to them. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? So these Jews said idols are not really gods anyway. So pass me the ribeye, please. As a result, contention began to develop. You had all the old mic stand worshipers on one side of the church. And all the ribeye eating people on the other side of the church. And all these people were saying we're holier than they are because they've been eating that contaminated meat. And all these people over there are saying, look at those little babies over there. They don't know any better, but we sure enjoyed that steak today. And all of a sudden, you got a church that's divided. Divided. Contention develops. You know what? Acceptance is needed. Another contention was religious day. Some Jews brought with them, and this was the Jewish side. This was the, they brought with them the residue of the law that observed certain days as sacred. Don't pick up any sticks. Don't go more than a quarter of a mile. Shut your shop down. Don't come out of your house. Others felt that a clean break from the law was necessary. And since I know Jesus, every day is a Sabbath. Everybody okay? So, but they began to judge one another. Oh, we keep a holy day. We think every day's holy. They began to despise one another. It's interesting that Paul referred to these Christians who were holding these strict rules and regulations as weak brothers. And he admonishes them to receive one another in love. I want to say something to you. I've talked to pastoral friends of mine, and it's much easier, it's much easier just to set a bunch of rules and tell everybody, here's what the rules are, just go do that. It's much more difficult to have maturity in God's people and develop them to mature Christians. Let me say it this way. It's much easier to crown a king than to raise a prince. It's short order. It takes five minutes to crown a king. It takes a lifetime to raise somebody who knows how to be a king. And we're hopefully producing soldiers for the kingdom. Somebody say amen. Second thing a weak brother needs is unity with the stronger. Everybody say unity. And unity is... This is very important now. Unity is not total agreement. Unity is not total agreement. Unity is agreeing to love one another and work together in spite of differences of opinion. In fact, check this out. If any two people, listen, 
If any two people agree on everything, you can rest assured that only one of them is doing the thinking. All the wives are saying, preach it, pastor. If you agree on everything, only one of you is thinking. On some issues, we need to agree to disagree, drop the subject, love one another, and walk away from the issue. Paul explained that those who sacrifice by abstaining or staying away from meat and observing Uh, do it unto the Lord as a consecration. In other words, they feel it's a dedication to the Lord. On the other hand, those who do not abstain do it for the same reason. They're both doing it unto the Lord. Let me give you a good example of what I'm talking about. I landed at a particular airport, a particular district, going to do a district function. The man who picked me up we were driving to where I would be staying for the week, and he said, oh, by the way, I failed to mention this earlier, but I hope you didn't bring any colored shirts. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? He said, well, there's, there's some folks in our district that feel like at district meetings the preacher needs to wear a white shirt. He doesn't need to wear a color. They'd be offended if you would wear a colored shirt. Well, you know me. I said, oh, brother, I'm so sorry. That's all I have with me is colored shirts. He said, oh, no, I should have told you earlier. He said, would you mind us going to the store and, and getting you... Oh, some white shirts. I said, oh, I have white shirts. White's a color. I, I don't know. I, I thought it was a color. He laughed and said, oh, you're so funny. But you know what I did? I wore white shirts every service. I just preached the youth convention in Alabama. When I walked on the platform that night, you know what I first started doing? I started looking at all the preachers around me. And you know what? Not one of them had a wedding ring on. So while they're worshiping and praising God, I put my left hand in my pocket and I got my wedding ring off. And I left it in my pocket. You know why? Not because I didn't want anybody to know I was married. No, I didn't want to offend one of my Weak brothers. <laughs> That's right. Because we're doing it as unto the Lord. First Corinthians ten twenty five. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles, that eat, asking no questions for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not bid you to a feast and you be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you, eat, asking no questions. Look at that. I love that chapter, that that verse right there. Don't ask. If they put it in front of you, just eat it. (laughs) 
Does anybody like those verses? Yeah. He says, for your conscience sake, because you don't know if this guy's an idolater. He may have offered that meat to some weird God and performed some ceremony over it and then barbecued it and, and asked you to come over. And he in his mind saying, look here, I'm getting that Christian to eat that meat. But you're serving the Lord. Don't ask anything. Just eat it. It's not going to hurt you. Everybody okay? Paul said, don't ask for conscience sake. And I, he's talking about the slaughter, the shambles is the slaughterhouse, the butcher's stall. He said, don't ask where it came from, just, just eat it. Now in the matter of holiness standards, it's very important we talk about this because this is what this is talking about. This is not talking about what it takes to be saved. This is talking about standards of conduct. This is talking about what you think is holiness and what you think it takes to, to be saved and not so much the gospel but sanctification and what you should abstain from and, and what you came out of the world doing and now I don't want to get close to that because I used to do that in the world. It has to do with standards. Everybody say standards. Now there are three kinds of standards. There's Bible standards. Everybody say Bible standards. There's traditional standards. Everybody say traditional standards. And there's church standards. Everybody say church standards. That's very, very important you understand that. Bible standards are, are spelled out. You don't need to pray about them. You don't need a conviction for them. In fact, you do not need to pray about dressing modestly. It's commanded in the scripture. Now, defining that command is an issue of a church standard. But the Bible tells you, you ought to live soberly and modestly in this world. Don't need to pray about it. That's a very important issue. Traditional standards, somebody say traditional. These are those that, that may based, be based on a principle. Uh, they're not very clearly defined in Scripture, but in some cases they may be standards that find their practicality based in time or culture. Uh, you know, and time and culture changes. So traditional standards can shift because culture shifts. Let me give an example. My mother-in-law, went. we went Sunday night after business meeting. I'm, man, it's 8.15, Lord. Uh, uh, we went to see my mother-in-law. And she, we, she was raised in Terre Haute, Indiana. And Terre Haute, uh, the, the old original church very conservative church, very conservative. In fact, the pastor's wife in the old Terre Haute church uh, would be standing in the foyer. If your, if your skirt was not a certain length off the floor, if it went above a certain length off the floor, you had to leave and go change your clothes and come back. My mother-in-law said, if you walked in the church... And you were an unmarried woman, if you didn't have a hairnet, the pastor's wife would give you a dime. She had a roll of dimes. She would give you a dime to go down to the corner store and get a hairnet. I said to my mother-in-law, what is a hairnet? She said, you know those things people wear in the kitchen? I said, yeah, it's like a big net on. She said, that's a hairnet. Why? 
Weak brothers, all I know. She also said, if you had a hairnet, the only way, because there's all these rules. She said, the only way you didn't have to have a hairnet is if your hair was in a perfect roll. I said, roll? She said, yeah, you would roll your hair up under and pin it together right here in the middle. She said, one night, the pastor's wife sent me home because the middle of my hair roll came apart and one piece of my hair fell down on my collar. My Lord, I don't know how you have church with all that stuff. You know what else? Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? I'm talking about traditional standards. They change because culture changes. Do you know it used to be a sin to wear nylon stockings? You know why? Because stockings years ago were all cotton. Yeah, get it? Cotton. And when nylon, yeah, it's getting late, I'm sorry. When, when nylon stockings came out, all the worldly women <laughs> And those nylon stockings had a seam right down the back, all the way down to the heel. In the church in Terre Haute, if you had a pair of nylon stockings on that did not have a seam, the pastor's wife would give you another offering. So they're checking the link, making sure your jelly roll is perfect, net it up, and that your nylon holes have a Seam in it. Those are traditional standards. You know what? The pastor's wife is no longer passing out dimes in the foyer. She's dead. She's dead. And you may think, God rest her soul. She's not checking the nylon hose anymore. Things change. That's hard for some people. Oh, I could really talk right here. I could really talk to you right here. I'm, ta- I'm not talking about biblical standards. I'm talking about stuff that we've customarily held on to. And we're not sure why we did it. But back then it was real important. Everybody okay? You know what else is a biblical standard? Gender distinction. Am I okay? Man, it's getting too late to preach like this. <laughs> Bottle's about empty. <laughs> okay. Traditional standards. They change. They change. They change. When I was raised, you know, there were certain things you didn't grow or let happen because hippies do that. Yep, they did. But we're a long way from Woodstock. Have you noticed? That was what, 68, uh, 9, something? What? Oh, there you go. Brother Frankie knows what Woodstock was. 65, 66. You realize how far we are from Woodstock? Brother Gary, I was shocked. Shocked, almost offended. I saw a video, Brother Eric let me see one time. And it showed a bunch of you young guys out playing basketball. 
I could not believe the head of hair on Gary Tipsword's head. Whoa! Man! Here was Gary playing basketball. I mean, that throw was out here, man. It, am I not telling the truth? That thing was flopping around, and he's going, you know, he's doing this. <laughs> Gary Tipsword, you've come a long way, baby. <laughs> Traditions, they change. Let's not get all cattywampus uh, uh, is the word I'm looking Let's not get all bent out of shape when we're in 2017. Church standards. Everybody say church standards. I'm going to move real quick. Church standards. Now, these are things that a pastor may say, look, this is not a biblical standard. This is not even a tradition. But we're battling stuff in this community, and we're going to stay away from these things. And you say, well, where's that in the Bible? It's not in there, but we have a unique situation that we're dealing with in this place. You find it in Corinthians where Paul dealt with some things in the Corinthian church that had to do with where their church was. Somebody say amen. So church standards are things. A pastor would say this is important for our church. Somebody say amen. So these are very important. Let's go to the last thing. Weak brother. Everybody say weak brother. He needs the value of fellowship and tolerance. We need to be able to work together. Somebody say amen. To love one another. You know, people ask me, Brother Genius, it's not a scriptural principle, and I'm wondering how you feel about this. You know what my first answer is? My first answer is the Bible says anything that's not of faith is sin. In other words, if it's going to bother your conscience, you need to stay away from it. If you're in liberty and there's, there's freedom there, I'm not going to put any more yoke on you. But if it's not a biblical issue or a traditional issue or a church issue, then the issue is your faith. Somebody say amen. All right, well, since you got all that, let me move, let me move on. Let's, let's go to the stronger brother, and I'm closing. I'm skipping some stuff. Just go past that other stuff. Pass, keep going. Go, go. It's not me. I would be done if Cheyenne would speed up. <laughs> Come on. Stronger brother. There we go. Stronger brother. Everybody say the stronger brother. Yeah. The stronger brother, what does he need? He needs, this is the guy that doesn't have all those convictions. He's pretty free. You know, he's not, you know, he, he's, uh, he, he, he may not be convicted about certain things. He may, people may think he's a little looser. You know what this man needs to know? He needs to know he's going to stand before God. He needs to know that he can't be offensive to those that feel strongly about certain things. And he needs to know that his Lord is going to be the one that judges him. And he better make sure he's got the right attitude. That he's not doing it cocky or arrogant or look what I can do and what you can do. Somebody say amen. We need to make sure. I want to read a couple verses. Let's, did you go all the way to the end? I just wish you'd obey your pastor is what I wish you'd do. <laughs> I'm teasing you. Just, okay, it's Matthew 7, 1. Judge not. Everybody say judge not. Everybody say judge not. 
That's what Jesus said. But what about 1 Corinthians 5 verse 9 where it says, I wrote to you epistle not to accompany fornicators. And I'm not talking about fornicators in the world or extortioners or covetous or idols or idolaters. For, for then if you would stay away from, uh, from those kind of people, you would have to be out of the world. But I'm writing to you not to keep company with a man who calls himself a brother and will not stop his fornication or his drinking or his railing or his idolatry. If he says he's a brother, he should not practice this. And he says if he does, don't eat with him. And then he makes a statement. I'm not to judge people outside the church, but am I not supposed to judge those that are within? So all this stuff, don't judge? Well, wait a minute. Yeah, that's outside people. But we've got a right to expect things from people that say they are a brother. Oh, I wish I'd have went quick on the rest of it and stopped right here because this is very important. We can't expect things out of worldly people. They're sinners. But we have a right to expect things that sit on this pew. I think that's enough said. You get the point. Somebody say amen. Second thing this man needs to know, come on to the music. I'm not even sure what you play in this kind of sermon. Second thing this brother needs is he needs to know he should not be a source of stumbling. Somebody say amen. Doesn't want to cause somebody to stumble. Doesn't want to be offensive to somebody. 1 John 2, 10, he that hateth, that loveth his brother abides in the light, and there's none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. Can I just give you one, a living example to me every day of what I'm talking about is right here in this church. There are people in this church that have certain convictions, and they're not They're not church convictions, but they may be personal convictions. And you know what? They feel strongly about them. But you know what? They feel accepted, loved, celebrated. Let me give you an example. He's not, he slipped out. He's already gone. I think he's gone. Looks like he's gone. Dale Burner was raised in a church where you wear long sleeves. That's what you do. That's the way he was taught. Del Burner will be on Wren Lake in April. It'll be 90 degrees, and Del Burner will have long sleeves on. Isn't that right, Jerry? And I asked him, said, he said, Brother Gene, I just raised this way. I don't feel it. He said, I, it, everybody else, you know, we're out there fishing. We got T-shirts on. We're fishing. Of course, we, we're modest. Absolutely. We're not pulling our shirts off. Are we, Jerry? No, that's right. <laughs> We're not shirts and skins or anything, but we're, we're out there. And Dale's got it. But you know what? He doesn't get up. No, the, the prayer meeting in the evening, he doesn't take his text on long sleeves and say, okay, everybody needs it. No, there's freedom. There's liberty. He's free to do what he feels important. Everybody else, that's the way it ought to be. In issues of non-essentials. Somebody say Amen. It's a wonderful example. Last but not least, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Cheyenne, it's my fault. Just one more. The stronger brother needs, needs 
He not only needs to know he's going to stand before God, make sure he's not doing something against his conscience. He doesn't need to to be a source of stumbling. And the last thing, he needs to continually self-examine himself to examine himself. You know, a good truth to repeat over and over to ourselves is, I'm responsible for myself. If we were to take that challenge seriously, it would consume much of our time and effort, leaving little time to critique what everybody else is doing. I'm responsible for myself. Not closed with this. Jesus uh, illustrated this human interaction with an hyperbole about a man. And let me just cut to the chase. It'd be like me going to Dr. Montgomery. He's my eye doctor. And say in the last nine months since I went to see Dr. Montgomery, he's had some kind of injury or maybe even some kind of disease, maybe macular degeneration. And I'm sitting in the chair, the nurse puts me in there and I'm waiting on Dr. Montgomery and all of a sudden, Dr. Montgomery comes around the corner with one of these big long sticks and he, he's feeling the door and they help him to his chair and, he's, and I start realizing, wait a minute, he, he's lost his eyesight. He can't see. And he swings that big old thing around in front of me, those two little things. He starts clicking those numbers, and, and he, he doesn't get it right. And he says, okay, now I'm going to put drops in your eye. And I lean back, and he puts them down my ears. And The Lord said, and he used this story. He said, you know what? Before you go and decide you're going to pull the splinter out of Brother Lonnie's eye, you make sure you get the log You make sure you take care of your eyesight before you go being concerned with... So this is what Jesus said. Take care of the plank of wood in your eye. Don't be so distracted by the speck of sawdust in your neighbor's eye. Make up your mind. I'm responsible for myself. Give me clean hands and a pure heart, oh God. Give me good vision, he said, and get the log out of your eye so then you can help your neighbor. Let's stand together. We are a body. We're the people of God. And he wants us to love one another in spite of some unique differences and diversities among us. I'm praying God would help us do that. Are you going to, do you feel that same way tonight? God, help us to celebrate our diversity. Let's lift our hands. Let's close our eyes right now. Let's just ask the Lord to help us right now. In the name of Jesus.